Welcome to What is Your Bitcoin Story podcast with your host, Gigi. This is a podcast where we explore the fascinating world of Bitcoin through the personal experiences and stories of those who have taken a dive down the rabbit hole. We explore Bitcoin stories with a diverse range of guests from early adopters, miners, traders, and maximalists. So join us on this exciting journey of past, present, and future Bitcoin, one story at a time. As a new form of money that is not tied to any government or bank, Bitcoin represents a revolutionary step forward in the evolution of financial systems. Satoshi Nakamoto. Welcome back to What's Your Bitcoin Story, the podcast where we explore the fascinating world of Bitcoin. I'm your host, Gigi, and today we have a very early Bitcoin uh, adopter guest joining us. It's my pleasure to introduce JJ, whose journey down the rabbit hole started over a decade ago, having bought his first Bitcoin at an astonishing $13 back in 2013 and selling them shortly after for only $100. JJ is intimately familiar with the highs and lows of cryptocurrency investing and is on a mission to make it simpler. JJ is a co-founder of Pekala, a tokenized asset management startup, bringing algorithmic crypto trading to the mainstream. Prior to Pekala, JJ worked as a crisis management consultant and public policy. Without further ado, let's get this episode started and hear JJ's incredible Bitcoin story. Welcome, JJ. Thank you for taking the time to come on the show. Yo, thank you. Cool to be here. Um, yeah, exciting crypto story. You've already set the scene there that like... Um, my Bitcoin story is not one of mass riches and um, millions of dollars, unfortunately. But yeah, keen to keen to dive further into it. Perfect. Well, look, every story is different. And uh, I guess I, I don't think we had any guests that got into Bitcoin at $13. So I would love to hear how did you stumble upon Bitcoin? Where were you in life? What was going through your head? Yeah, you know what? So it's a funny, it's actually a funny story. I was... Um, I was doing my master's in Geneva and I was doing a master's in international relations. So I studied politics, I studied international relations. Um, and I was friends with a guy who was doing his PhD in economics at the same university. He was a, Bit a Bitcoin maxi and like he was very early. So he invested first, I think, in, in like, at like less than a dollar. Oh, wow. Um, and he told me about this thing that was supposed to be the new digital gold. And I was like, what? Nah, sounds like a scam. Um, and I looked into it and at that point like the way to, to buy Bitcoin there was only one exchange empty Gox um, and so and to get money to them to get money from them was a pain in the ass you had to send a wire transfer to Japan I remember like in, in dollars or euros to like buy the stuff get it into the exchange ironically it was easier for them to have a bank account in then than it is for many crypto companies now but that's a whole nother story um, so yeah he told me about this thing that was supposed to be digital gold and I really was like, okay, let's see this as a speculative thing. And I, I like did the, went through the, the motions. It took me like three or four weeks to like figure out what it was and like how it worked. But then I got the idea that it's supposed to be digital gold. You know, it's got its limited supply. It's mined. You know, the terminology even is, is similar to gold. Um, and I was like, okay, this does kind of make sense. And so I was like, let's buy into it and see what happens. I'd already known he had bought in at a dollar and it was now 13 bucks. And I was like, well, that's a fucking nice return anyway. Sorry, can I swear? Um, sure. 
And so, yeah, I, uh, I got into it. And um, I was spending my student loan on Bitcoin. So I, I was actually, and I still just saw it as a speculative thing. And I remember like my first, it was my first like real trading. So I tried some CFDs with Forex in the past, but it, I, like it was just like in a kind of speculative, gambly kind of Bit way. Bit of a gamble. Totally. <laughs> and I actually saw Bitcoin at the time in the same way. So I, I bought like a couple, then I bought a few more. The price was going up, I bought a few more. Uh, I actually looked back in preparation for this at my emails from the time. Wow. Because I have them all still on Gmail from MT Gox. And at height, I had 70 Bitcoin. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was the genesis of it, really. Okay. And, and, and then as, as the intro suggests, you uh, later on jumped in basically around the $13 mark. Mm-hmm. And then kind of what, what happened at the $100 mark? You thought that was the top? So it was, it was really funny. I was, um, this is going to make me sound like a gambling addict. This is not true at all. But I was at a friend's house um, in, so Geneva in Switzerland is surrounded by France. Yeah. We were studying in Geneva, but a lot of my friends lived in France because it was cheaper. So you'd cross the border. And I went over to a friend's house for dinner and we had a game of poker. Um, and I like got an alert on like, I can't even remember how I got an alert on my phone back then, but I was, or I was like compulsively checking the price of Bitcoin. Maybe that was it. And I had 70 Bitcoins sitting in my empty Gox wallet. And um, I saw the price. It was the first time it went over $100 and it Mm. spiked up to 200. And I was uh, trying to sell. I was trying to sell at that time, but I was, because I was um, in France, I didn't have roaming. And so I was like trying to get on his Wi-Fi. (laughs) Can I sell this? Can I sell this Bitcoin? And by the time I got around to selling it, it had already gone back down to like $80 or something. So it spiked up to 200, then back down to 80 really quickly. And I remember just being like so frustrated that I couldn't have sold. And then that kind of led me into selling it the next time it hit 100, because I was like, I don't know if this is going anywhere. Mm. Obviously, like, 2020 hindsight's 2020 as they say um but i was like i'm gonna sell this i needed to like pay off some of my student loan and i also wanted to go backpacking so i sold all my bitcoin um in order to go backpacking at around 100 bucks wow (laughs) (laughs) let's say it's one of the bigger regrets of my life well well well, at least you didn't sell a hundred thousand bitcoin for two pizzas right Mm. i mean it it could have been more painful but to, to to get kind of my understanding of it did you never think when when you wanted to sell your bitcoin maybe i'll leave a few coins like what if what if someday it goes crazy did that never cross your mind it did and you know the reason i didn't do it um is because um i had them in empty gox at that point i had looked into like can i cold store them and my friend who who kept telling me about cold storage cold storage and litecoin had come out by then around then too so he was talking about litecoin and he was mining litecoin into a cold store wallet and he said you can do that for bitcoin you can hold it yourself Mm. but there was no like metamask Mm. or there was no like easy wallet you had to like literally code a wallet yourself (laughs) back then and it was just way beyond me technically and i was like now just leave it in the exchange and like hardware wallets was was there anything else no back then there was like nothing that you couldn't couldn't build yourself Mm. don't forget at that point like um, I think when Gox went bust in 2014 and they had 800,000 Bitcoin stolen, wow. it was worth something like 60 million at that point for 800,000 Bitcoin. Maybe that math is wrong, but like it was an insanely small amount compared to where it is now. Yeah. And um, so people hadn't like, it was also a small community of people like on what random corner of the internet, right? Like, <laughs> Do you communicate with other MT Gox clients or like how? how t- 
was was I guess was the Reddit active back then? Or so I don't remember Bitcoin Reddit. Talk? There was Bitcoin Talk, yeah. um, and there was another there was another uh, forum I was part of, and I couldn't remember. I got quite into it over the course of about like a year, getting into the scene. And even back then, I have to say, I have a bit of a secret. I'm not a Bitcoin maxi. That's totally fine. That's totally fine. We, we don't invite only Bitcoin Maxis. We want to hear different sides of the story. But even back then, it was like there were people who were like, this is going to take over money. And of course, that was, you, you read Satoshi's, like, right. that's the statement that was made in the white paper that it was going to take over. Um, but I never truly thought that. And coming back to the question of did I want to keep any, mm. I saw that Gox was... Um, it was doing 80% of the trading at the time. So 80% of Bitcoin trading was on MT Gox. The rest was peer-to-peer. There was no like other exchanges. There was no Binance. There was no Kraken, whatever. No FTX. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, flat, that one really came and went. Huh? Um, so there was no, like you had to do it on MT Gox. It was a Japanese exchange. Like no one really understood what was going on there. And there were some rumblings already about Gox being a bit wobbly. Mm. And I noticed that it was getting taking longer and longer for them to process fiat withdrawals. Okay. And it got to the point where it was like, I sold something like a, a Bitcoin and a half or something just to have some cash. And it took them two and a half months to get me my money. Wow. Um, and I kept emailing them and emailing them and emailing them. So I, I kind of felt like something was, was going wrong. And that's why I decided to sell a lot. And actually, mm. in 2014, I think I sold them all um, like a few months before Gox went completely bust. Wow. So that has been the start of 2014, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Wow. So I'd, I probably only had like a six or eight month Bitcoin journey at that point. Um, and I sold them and then I was like, I felt good because I was, I mean, not that I felt good other people had like lost their money, yeah. but I was like, I got out. I got like, out. It's like people who were like, yeah, I got out of FTX two days before it collapsed. Yeah, yeah. Well done you. <laughs> I felt like that at the time. And my friend who got me into it, even though he had Litecoin in a hardware wallet, he hadn't got around to putting his Bitcoin in a hardware wallet, and he lost a thousand Bitcoin oh, in MT Gox. Painful. Um, his Bitcoin story is still going on though, because as you may know, the Japanese bankruptcy courts have been working on the MT Gox case for like Correct. for like nine years. Yeah, <laughs> just long. I still get like I still get letters in the mail in Japanese, and I'm like, no what way. the fuck is this? Um, he they're, they're thinking of giving back. I think last was twenty percent of the Bitcoin. Correct. And so he might get back 200 Bitcoin. Wow. Which would just be like an insane windfall right now. World's That's best savings cool. account. <laughs> <laughs> the irony, right? The, I know. I actually, when, when, uh, when they came up with the bankruptcy proceeding and I got the letter, I registered like uh, just in case I'd left like even right. half a Bitcoin That's in the true. account. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and this was when Bitcoin was like uh, riding high at like 40, 50K. Mm. Um, I... I did send in a speculative, like, just in case, and I got an email back saying, no, you didn't have any. I was like, no! <laughs> now we verified that, JJ, your account is uh, empty, so... Yeah, damn it, I was too, I was too, too thorough. Quick. Too, too quick. thorough, yeah. Should have had the fat thumb, right? Should have missed the... the oh, little man, little would have been good, button. yeah. I, it would have been lovely to save one, but when I... I went to Dubai recently to a couple of conferences there, and there was a guy there who... Um, I've forgotten his name, but he was, like, buying... He bought thousands of Bitcoin or a dollar each. And he held onto them in a cold store. But he was a dev who'd coded his own wallet. And he just has them in that same wallet forever. Wow. And like, to me, it was like, okay, you can write down the bits, you can write down the private keys and you can put them in like a a safe in a bank or you can like code your own hardware wallet, uh, uh, your own, like not hardware, but you can code your own wallet on your computer. Here's some code that you need. And I was just like, nah, I can't. 
can't deal with that. Um, even now, I keep my crypto <laughs> in the centralized exchanges, so I haven't learned my lesson. It's been a decade, JJ. I, 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 I think I should have learned one lesson there, but... Well, 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 guess what? That's another story for another time, but... I have to say, I'm mostly trading derivatives, and with derivatives, okay, you have to. That you can't, yeah. It, yeah. Needs, to, it, it needs yeah. to be on, on the platform. Okay, so the, the, the beginning of 2014 comes around. MTGOX gets mm-hmm. MTGOXed. Mm-hmm. You kind of feel relieved, like a totally. like sight of, oh, it's, yeah. I, I got out. What's next? Kind of where does where does your Bitcoin journey pause there? What I happens? was so with with I was pretty. Um, I think a lot of the community at that point in 2014 was like really fucked off mm. with the whole the whole thing because like they didn't have a place to trade Bitcoin. A lot a lot of the circulating supply at that point had just gone missing. Yeah. Um, the they could see them on chain but they couldn't access them mm. so while all of those are benefits of a decentralized currency they're also problems of a decentralized currency right there's no one to like if i send a separate transfer to you and i get a digit wrong it comes back to my bank if i send yeah. you with the wrong wallet address it's gone and i can still see it there but i can never get it mm. um and i think a lot of the community at that point were like this is a really like hard industry and I felt pretty demoralized by the whole thing um, and my friend who who lost everything was like I'm done I'm, I'm out of crypto I started getting back into crypto in like a bit in 2015 ethereum was really interesting mm-hmm. I missed out buying it super cheap I was gonna say that you, were you part of the ICO no no um, so I missed out on that one because at the time I was like finishing my masters had zero money <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like I can't get a loan to buy crypto um, and there was no crypto lending platforms in 2015? <laughs> well the problem with crypto lending platforms is they have to be over collateralized right so That's true. I would have That's had true. to have had the money in order to um, my co-founder did she, she bought into the into the, I think very early into ethereum um, but now I was interested in the platform because of the idea of smart contracts and like I'm still very interested in that like how can you use that to govern the way money moves around mm. you don't have to rely on you've mentioned the fat fingers no. if you have it on a smart contract you don't have to rely on fat fingers um, or you don't have the risk of fat fingers so yeah it's um, super interesting and then I really got back into it a lot like a lot of people in 2017 so I'd been kind of keeping up with crypto a bit but I hadn't invested much and then I invested in a few ICOs you know probably 8 out of 10 of which went nowhere and two out of ten did quite nicely. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and, then, was, and, and and did you buy any Bitcoin in 2017 or no? Yeah, I did. So I held on. I bought some Bitcoin back then, but I was again. I was trading it speculatively. So okay. I kind of like got in and a, out. Yeah, got a nice gain in and out. And I, you know, I wish I was a hodler. I, I am now, <laughs> and I'm sure Bitcoin's going to go to two, three hundred, four hundred k, probably up to. I mean, looking at the way that the market's gone over the last ten years, it probably will get to a million dollars at some point. Yeah, correct. So I'm not too late. Mm. But I've already had that cycle of like being early and <laughs> missing out again. So I don't want I don't want to risk that now. That's a smart move. That's a smart <laughs> move. So I, I guess maybe we can touch upon a little bit. So you mentioned kind of smart contracts and maybe this goes a little bit in line with with kind of what you do today, right? And mm. and, and building an algorithmic trading platform which uh, which I think is, is an interesting thing to, to touch upon on, so to say, on, on a high level because mm-hmm. a lot of people want to get into cryptos, may that be Bitcoin, Ethereum, Doge, Shiba, whatever mm-hmm. it is, 
uh, but they a, don't have the knowledge, don't have the resources, uh, don't have simply time, mm-hmm. especially people with, with a lot of kids. <laughs> no, no, even one <laughs> even one kid's in. There's a lot of... Or even a lot just of, a cat. Or I mean, just yeah. a cat. I mean, there's... <laughs> well, no, a dog, because you got to walk it. The, true, the, the cat true. doesn't need to be walked. The, 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 the cat is a self-operational um, uh, being. But, yeah, I mean, kind of... What was how 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 was your journey then from 2017 to kind of leading you to, mm. to where you are today? Yeah, it's a, um, so I've obviously you know I've talked about my early Bitcoin experience, my later crypto experiences, and general interest in crypto over a mm. long time. In 2017, I nearly joined the team of a, an ICO, which did raise 50 mil, and I was like, fuck, I should have really wow. got in. Um, but at the time I was working in consulting, I'd just taken a new job and I didn't have the like bandwidth to do both. With hindsight, again, it would have been better. If I may interrupt, is that project still around today? I'm not sure, actually. Okay. Um, I've forgotten the the specific name, even. It was no doxing on the, on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but it was something to. It was it was a smart idea. It was around using smart contracts and doing online governance. I mean, it's come up a million times now. But for to replace credit scoring, so mm. like your online, your on-chain credit score, basically. Okay. So instead of having an, you know, one of these centralized fair f- Equifax or whatever manage your credit score, it's done through Trustless. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they may still be around. If you can find them, let me know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I messaged them and was chatting with the founders. They were based in the US. I was living in Switzerland at the time. Um, so I didn't join that, and then um, I left consulting during COVID in 2020 end of 2020 and I knew that I wanted to go and do a startup but I didn't actually have in mind that I would do crypto Mm. Um, so I joined an incubator in Berlin which is where I met my two co-founders and my co-founder Aldo who is a mathematician data scientist like big brain he um, had developed over the course of the previous few years a trading algorithm which was doing momentum based trading of crypto Mm. Um, he didn't really he was using it for himself uh, and he ended up not really knowing what to kind of do with it to turn it into a product or not wanting to spend the energy on the business and building something. He had done the tech work and he mm. wanted to like focus on the tech work. So he joined the incubator looking for co-founders. I already was really interested in crypto. Again, when he first mentioned <laughs> the algorithmic trading, he was like, yeah, it's done like 18x in the last year. And I was like, that can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be, that's got to be bullshit, but he showed me and it actually had. And then through 2021, it did over 20x and I was just like, this is amazing. So April 2021. Also 2021 was like liquidity, totally, brrr, totally, everything, totally. stocks, everything was flat. Absolutely. But 20x still that's way cool. outperformed yeah. most of the market, <laughs> unless you're talking about like Safe Moon and some random <laughs> shit points. Um, so yeah, at that point, you know, it was 2021. It was a bull market. Everyone was super excited about crypto. We were a mainstream startup incubator. It wasn't crypto focused, but the strength of the tech and the general environment of the boom got us the initial 100k of funding. So mm. it's a, um, a program called Antler. We were at the Berlin one, and it's exactly the vision that you've described. So like. There are people out there who want to have some exposure to crypto, but they're not traders, they're not maxis, and they're not hardcore. Mm. And for them, even getting money into Binance is hard because they're used to just being able to go to, you know, a Robin Hood and putting in their card details, uploading the money and like trading. You can do that with some platforms. You know, Kraken's got pretty good field rails. But even there, it's like, okay, well... If you come from the stock trading world and you want to buy Tesla because you think Teslas are cool, mm. 
that's, you know, anyone can say, like, there's a company here, I believe in that company, I'm going to buy their stock. It's very difficult to do that with crypto unless you, A, understand the technicals. You know, there's some really cool layer twos coming out. Like, mm. are they, like, you'll take, by buying their token, you're, you're gambling on their success, right? Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of shit out there. Like, you mentioned, like, Shiba. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's face it. Or, 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 like, WorldCoin, which is the latest to- shit coin coming around. Pay it, I mean... It, We're just taking a step further, talking about scanning your scan iris. Scan your eye. I yeah. don't give my a fake address away, <laughs> let alone my eyeball. <laughs> yeah, I think they are... Um, uh, I mean, that one's got buzzy because it's backed by Sam Altman, right? Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically, if if you come from a traditional finance world and you've done some investing, you go on Kraken, you get money into Kraken, but you still don't know what the fuck you're doing because yeah. there's so many coins. Um, and so for those people, we have the idea, well, we had the idea and we're still pursuing this to set up something which they can trade, like we can trade for them. Mm-hmm. So it's like... Um, a, a, a crypto fund almost like a quant fund okay so it's doing algorithmic analysis of the entire crypto market it's placing futures trades long and short mm-hmm. um which means that yeah in 2020 it did like 20 uh, 2021 sorry it did 20x but in 2022 we still did 140 percent returns oh wow so that's like 1.2.4x um, my math is off but you know what i mean so um it's still like uh winning in different market conditions it is very volatile though it's not as like it's not the crypto equivalent of an etf because Mm. those do exist you know you can buy bundles that under underpin there's like 20 different cryptos you can buy into those as a simple way in our case it was more like how do we allow people to get exposure in an actively managed way because that Mm. doesn't exist in tradfi unless you're a high net worth investor yeah. By tokenizing it, we've made it available to everyone, and you can start from like two hundred bucks. So it makes a, it's a big difference. Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, okay, so so maybe um, take, t- taking it back to, to to the Bitcoin story. Yeah. Um, and, well, it's not over. That's it's for sure. It's not over. That's for <laughs> sure, right? Well, still early. I I think uh, maybe we could talk a little bit about how early we are, because because mm. you mentioned um, you're still all early, and and I truly believe that. Um, the average Joe, when, when they ask me, when, when they hear that I'm heavy into Bitcoin and they say, oh, you know, like, I wish I got in when I was a few dollars, like mm-hmm. you did, JJ. Am I too late? Yeah. Am I too late? And they mm-hmm. go, they look at the price and it's whatever it is, 30000 40000 mm-hmm. 50000 I tell them, well, look, don't don't focus on the price too much. Start getting some. And after, you know, with, with the DCA, the, the dollar uh, cost average, um, essentially my strategy, in the long run, you will still be very well off as Bitcoin appreciates. And... More importantly, I tell people to focus on the purchasing power of Bitcoin mm. instead of the price factor, because as you said, the volatility prices come and go. But if you look at the purchasing power of what you can buy with your Bitcoin, and as it becomes more and more scarce with every halving and more and more people buy into it, there is essentially going to be less and less Satoshis available in the market. So um, kind of, I want to hear your perspective on, since you've been in Bitcoin much longer than I have, I uh, my journey started in mid-2017, mm-hmm. so you were... Way, way before me. <coughs> By accident. <laughs> By accident, but it was a good accident. <laughs> yeah. How, how do you see um, essentially Bitcoin evolving and how has it changed since the day one when, when you got it back in 2013 to where it is now with, as you mentioned, different layers. Now we have, you know, the lightning. We have yeah. so many implementations, the tap roots and whatnot, mm. segwits that have been implemented and God knows what's next. But how do you feel about kind of the future of Bitcoin and, and where we're headed? Yeah, I, it's a very important question and one I don't necessarily have a good answer to. I mean, um, it's just how you feel. 
Yeah, I think that it's still like the reason I think we're still early is because Bitcoin is has become accepted as um, what it was intended to be, or it's becoming accepted as what it was intended to be, which is digital gold. Mm. Um, if you look at the way that gold appreciated, it's never not appreciated. There's always been appreciation over mm. time. And it's one of the few assets for which that's true. So I think if we, if we, if you accept that crypto is becoming a mainstream asset class, mm. then Bitcoin is always going to be leading that and is always going to be appreciating to an extent. Um, I think that what also a very interesting thing, if you look at what the SEC said, in the last two days mm. in the US, it's that Bitcoin is definitely not a security. Yeah. And that's the only crypto for which they've explicitly said that. Mm. Um, so I think that the future of like using Bitcoin as, uh, it's interesting you talk about purchasing power. I'd like to get your view on that. Yeah. Do you think, uh, what, what's your, what do you mean by that? Maybe you could explain. So with, with the purchasing power, what I mean is if, if, if we take the price chart out of the picture and we bring in the purchasing power of what you could have bought with your Bitcoin since, let's say, the 2010, for example, the right. pizza, which I mentioned, mm -hmm. you bought two lousy ass pizzas right. for 100,000 Bitcoins, which yeah. was like crazy. Back then, the guy thought, wow, you know, I'm a genius. You know, yeah. this, this digital money got me two actual physical pizzas, tasty business. But here we are 10 years later, mm. where 10,000 Bitcoin, oh, my God, you're if you have 10,000 Bitcoin, you're uh, Michael Saylor 2.0, yeah. you know, <laughs> like it's it's crazy. And, and what I mean is. As, as, as it becomes more scarce, I mean, people also forget a lot of no-coiners, or, or let's call them the normies, they, they forget that Bitcoin can be subdivided, that there's 100 million units in each Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. To me, that's like very powerful. Like to me, that was one of the big light bulb moments when it was like, oh my God, stop focusing on getting this whole Bitcoin. It's start accumulating Satoshis. And then eventually you will get to this 100 million, this full coiner. And that's what I mean with the purchasing power. It's as we progress and as more people jump in and may that be speculation, mm -hmm. may that be wealth preservation, as we have hyperinflation in Argentina, mm -hmm. in Lebanon, in Turkey, you know, a lot of people are, are looking at the same asset where across the pond in the US, it's like, how much money can I make on this asset? And then on the country side of the world, it's kind of like, how, how do I save my, my life saving essentially where everything is doubling up in price every day? And I think as more and more people either way jump into the space, um, the purchasing power will go dramatically higher to what it is now, to mm. what it was yesterday. And that's how and I And then, see it. okay, that's really interesting. And I think the volatility then has to come down. Of course. Because the volatility is off-putting to most people, right? It like, is. It, Bitcoin is one of the least, least volatile cryptos, but still, like, who want... I, I, I am not someone who believes that Bitcoin is going to take over the fiat currency i don't believe right. it's going to be the gold like the standard reserve currency of the world either mm. um and i don't think honestly i don't think that people will be buying stuff in bitcoin because at, at least for a long time mm. um you say normies i mean those people yeah, i don't yeah. mean people who love crypto i mean yeah, yeah. the ordinary the average guy on the street, street. Yeah. because those people don't want to in otherwise you're basically saying i'm choosing to buy into the argentinian peso or mm. the zimbabwe dollar mm, that's true <laughs> because they are hyper they are super inflationary very volatile um well bitcoin's not inflationary but you know what i mean mm. uh, very volatile you, who wants to buy something you know that the pizza might cost like three times more tomorrow um so i think there will be that that volatility will come down and what what I do see might happen is that Bitcoin could become a reserve currency of other crypto investments. Mm. So right now, 
a lot of the trades that are happening on centralized exchanges are denominated in stable coins because it's very simple yeah. um, to say, well, a dollar, a USDT is worth a dollar most of the time. Mm. Um, what we could see is that Bitcoin becomes the reserve currency and mo- many more trades are done Bitcoin denominated other pairs. That is, that's an interesting idea. Mm. Um, again, that's the speculative side, though. If you're talking about like savings and long term wealth accumulation, I honestly see Bitcoin and crypto in general as an asset class that everyone should and will be invested in somehow, mm. um, whether they directly know it or not. Right. So um, what I find really interesting about investments in general, and this is why I think what we're doing at Picala, I, I'm personally very interested in. Um, most people don't invest at all. Mm. They don't think about it. They just put money into a bank savings account and they um, they accumulate their savings. They have a job and they save, you know, three whatever percent of their sa- salary every month. Yeah, <laughs> if that. Um, and they accumulate savings and they save up and they buy a house. And that that's the first time many people are actually actively investing and they don't think of it as investing they think of it as like buying a house and you know it's, mm. you're not thinking of it as a speculative asset but what's really interesting is that those people who are working in that job have a pension and that pension is being actively traded mm. like it's being actively invested by the pension fund manager which is why in 2008 2009 so many um you know pension funds lost a ton of money and people lost out on their pension Many people didn't even realize that their pension was being invested and it was being paid on the stock market and bonds and all the rest. Mm. So I think that, and, and we are seeing interest from those, those people hold trillions of dollars, yeah. like, each. <laughs> I mean, BlackRock's nine trillion. And twelve, that's by the way, 12. Now, by uh, 12, 12, 12 trillion. Yeah. And that's not even a pension fund manager. If you look <laughs> at some of the big pension fund managers, they're in the, like, ten, uh, double 10-digit yeah, trillions. Yeah. Once those people start investing in crypto, whether it's through direct spot or mm. whether it's through some kind of exchange traded product, that's when I think the crypto goes mainstream because that's mm. where most of the money in the world is. Um, and that will push the price up. So I'm super interested to see what happens with the custody stuff, the, the spot Bitcoin ETFs. Mm. I'm very interested to see what happens with the futures Bitcoin and, and ETH ETFs that are coming out in Europe now. Uh, and I think in a few years' time, like once that happens it's not you will no longer have a regulator being able to say that like oh this is just a scam for 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 nobody's yeah. like okay shit black rocks in okay yeah. well then it's serious and we yeah. can't like we can't it's never going to die um so yeah that's why i think it's going to be super interesting for bitcoin and that's mm. why i say i think it might i can see it reaching a million in 10 years time yeah on the topic of blackrock and essentially it hasn't been approved etf now but mm. blackrock has a stunning uh, record of 99% of ETFs that they put forward. <laughs> Not even 99, it's like one has been denied. Right? Okay, so 99.99999. What do you think is that going to do to Bitcoin next year once, once well, highly we believe that it is going to get approved? What's what's going to happen with, with the overall space? Good question. But we're going to see a lot of, there'll be a lot less liquidity in the market, surely, mm. because if those spot ETFs are locking up, like, I mean, how many how many Bitcoin does the Grayscale, Grayscale Bitcoin Trust have? It's Good like question. I don't know. thousands no and thousands. Yeah. I mean, when you get trillions of dollars coming into the market, mm. they weren't all going to Bitcoin, of course, but like there will be less liquidity, less less available volume. And so people will be trading down to the like, you know, 
by the by the SAT basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think there'll be less liquidity, but that will push the price up, and it will also make it more stable. And that's where I think Bitcoin mm. could become the reserve currency of trading on crypto exchanges. Okay. Um, that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier, instead of USDT, because you know USDT is untrustworthy. Frankly, mm. of <laughs> we use it. Uh, all of our trades are denominated in it. We accept it from customers, but we also know. It's a random offshore company with no audit. It's never. It has been fascinating with the whole FTX gimmicks and last year and, and Celsius and the Lunas. And uh, I randomly brought it up to my partner. I was like, "What's happening with USDT? Like be, be, before last year, it was always in hot water. Where's the yeah. audit? Where's the audit?" And then like they kind of just like dodged the bullet, just yeah. went under. And yeah, I agree. It, it could be a it, it could be a black swan event if USDT crashes because it's like I mean, how how much money's like 80, 80, bill. 80 billion, yeah, like, and going back to empty Gox, right, <laughs> the decade ago it was 60 million worth of Bitcoin, right, back yeah. in the time. So, I mean, more, the impact, yeah, more, still, yeah, give or take, yeah. 80, 100 mil, I mean, it's still far off 80 billion. So Totally. Yeah, I think that, like, you know, that's a black swan event. If Binance collapses, I think that's a black yeah. swan event right now. I mean, if, if Circle goes under or any of these big players. Mm. But I think what's interesting about USDT um, right now uh, is they are, it's a genius business model, first of all. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they are taking people's money, basically, not paying them any interest and earning interest themselves. It's stable coins are the best business model you can go into right now if you've got the money. Um, but I think what was very interesting to see was when Circle started to depeg because they said that some of their money was in Silicon Valley Bank yeah. and dropped to 90 cents for the weekend. Um, Tether actually benefited from being opaque because no one knew whether they had money in Silicon Valley <laughs> Bank or not, right? Yeah, like, yeah, so yeah. their lack of audit actually helped them in that circumstance. But That's anyway, to, to come back to the reserve currency thing, yeah. if we look at stable coins now, I think stable coins will be the way that normies get into crypto. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's going to be, and CBDCs probably are as well. Um, yeah, that, that was my follow-up question. <laughs> well, let's see how mm -hmm. that develops. But um, I think we could see that more and more exchanges are starting to denominate stuff in Bitcoin as it becomes more stable mm. um, and less liquidity is in the market for Bitcoin because then you can buy, you, they, the exchanges will make money from having Bitcoin coin pairs. Mm both in Bitcoin and in the coin. Wasn't it like that before stablecoins? Everything was essentially dominated by, by Bitcoin. It was only Bitcoin pairs, right? Yeah. So you're saying we're going to have a full circle. I think basically. so. I think it makes sense from the exchange's perspective to do that because yeah. um, right now they're, they're earning fees in USDT, USDC, whatever. Yeah. Um, but we've seen BUSD used to be $40 billion. It's now less than 20 because it no. got cut off. And we could very well see that happening again. And, and Bitcoin can't be cut off. And that's part of the, the joy of it, right? Yeah, no, for sure. Unless um, they kill the internet. That's <laughs> and they come to my house and switch off the last node, which, uh, yeah. which is running on Taurus. So I don't think so. But yeah, it's, it, it would be a pretty, pretty, pretty hard mission. But yeah, let's, let's kind of br bring it around and, and kind of to, because I think we touched upon a, a lot of interesting concepts and a lot of different points. But um, I want to hear your opinion on, on CBDCs. And, and before I hear your opinion, I, I want to hear... Um, I, I want you to hear my point of view on sure. how I, I truly believe that CBDCs, where a lot of people are saying, oh, that's that's the end for Bitcoin. I see it on the contrary, because as I mentioned in an example where countries that are going through hyperinflation as we speak see Bitcoin as, as kind of the safe haven, the, the way out of the system. Uh, I think the same thing we will see once CBDCs are rolled out across Europe, across US and, and basically the whole world, where people that live in first world countries and kind of live a comfortable life you know they get their salary as you said they they never do any investment they they don't care about it their money's sitting in the bank but then suddenly when cbdc's come in and 
what God forbid credit credit scoring systems like we have in China and whatnot, and everything is like kind of we're deep in the Orwellian world. <laughs> Bitcoin essentially is your only way out. Interesting. That's so I want to hear. I mean, I, I hope that CBDCs don't take us into an Orwellian world. Um, maybe, maybe I'm uh, naive on that, but I, like, I think that CBDCs are going to be... Maybe I, I have a rare opinion here. I actually think CBDCs might help the crypto industry mm-hmm. to become more mainstream. Okay. Because once people... Like, what people don't think about right now is, like, I have euros paid into my bank account or dollars paid into my bank account by my employer's bank account or mm. what what are those dollars or what are those euros they're just on a screen they're just on a screen they're just numbers and people don't really think about that right now once we have cbdc's and people start to say like oh i can actually assuming they're on public blockchains or you know open blockchains not necessarily publicly run but you know open visible blockchains then people will be able to start tracking and saying like oh that's interesting i can see this piece of money moving here and they can actually start to think about that and i will i think that will probably open up acceptance of crypto in general mm. and it may lead to an orwellian world which you're describing but i fucking hope not um but then to come back to bitcoin it's really interesting you say that like i saw a, an article in the financial times like yesterday mm. and the ft is pretty anti-crypto they're tradfi ma- tradfi maxis <laughs> and they have been for what 120 years or something um but they there was an article about how during the uprising in russia a few weeks ago mm. um there was a spike in ruble USDT trading. Mm. Uh, and they were they were categorized, like they were presenting this as a bad thing, that like crypto is bad. Da, da, da. I found that very interesting because it talks to exactly the point you've just made, which is if you live in a country where the local currency has gone to shit, mm. then you have an option to get US dollars, which you never had. If you think about Nigeria, it's illegal to move money out of Nigeria. Yeah. The Naira cannot be converted to other currencies except crypto. Mm. And so that's where people are using USDT and USDC. And I think Bitcoin, again, will become, if you think about USDT and USDC and CBDCs as your day-to-day spending, Bitcoin can become your gold investment, right? Your long-term mm. investment, mm. especially when the volatility comes down and the liquidity comes down mm. in the market. Because a lot of the, a lot of the price swings are driven by whales out there who do hold a lot of Bitcoin and, you know, release them onto the market or buy them up. Um, But as those coins get eaten up by the black rocks of the world Mm. and and held in in, and not actively traded, then we'll see more stability in the price. And then it becomes like, okay, well, what do I invest in? Yeah, I want to have my savings in Bitcoin and Mm. I want to use my day to day in CBDCs or stable coins. I could see that world emerging. Argentina is another good example, right? Like yeah. you mentioned, people using crypto as a safe haven. And it's really, this is where the shift is for crypto in general, and Bitcoin is part of that, is that the world is like realizing, or people are, people are realizing the financial system is turning into um, effectively a, um, yeah, the, 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 there's, cross-border currencies like that have never existed before like we can really move a dollar around the world or a bitcoin around the world or ETH around the world in a way that we never could with with fiat currency and so governments in places that are controlling the local currency they will have to start factoring that in Mm. and 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 what they're doing now is try to turn off the tap right 
You right. can't buy Bitcoin. You can't buy USDT. Right. But people will always find a way. Mm. And as that becomes, as crypto becomes more mainstream and Bitcoin becomes more mainstream, we will see more and more governments having to, to allow um, their, their citizens to, to use crypto. And as it becomes more mainstream, it will become more normalized. And that's why, again, I think Bitcoin's going to get to a million dollars. Nice. Well, uh, I, I really like how, how, how you brought the whole conversation back and, and kind of summed it up. So then um, let, let, let's kind of come, come to a close. And, and maybe usually I ask guests to give uh, one, one word of advice to the new listeners and especially people that are not in the space as of yet. Um, apart from one advice, I guess, which is never sell all of your Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> and the other advice, which I'm, is, is invest in the color. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> what would you say? What would be another piece of advice to someone that's looking to enter uh, and start their own Bitcoin story? Mm. Mm. Long silences are good on podcasts. So. Yes. <laughs> Everyone loves a long silence. Let me think about that one. I think, you know what? It's very simple just get started okay nice like if you've got 10 bucks spare put it into some some bitcoin i mean bitcoin's a safe bet even if you you might see that 10 bucks turn into six bucks in mm. a month's time but eventually it will go up and even if it nice. doesn't you haven't invested that much so get started now nice. but also don't go too deep <laughs> mm. um i've actually been in this situation myself that like I've had too much of my money in Bitcoin, uh, in crypto, mm. not in Bitcoin specifically, yeah, yeah. but I've had too much of my savings in crypto. And then I've taken a real hit on my actual savings balance. Mm. Um, so get, get started now. But, you know, a good portfolio is one which is spread across different asset classes. Yeah. Bitcoin should be, I say, at least 20% of your portfolio. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, don't go 100% into one random shitcoin like like SafeMoon <laughs> and expect to like 15,000 exit and then get out because most people lose on those things. Nice. I'll, I'll, I'll add one more piece of advice to, to, to that smart list, which is, <clears throat> which is patience, right? So totally. don't wait for next week. I mean, as, as we all know, Bitcoin goes through its uh, four-year cycles with every halving. So Put those $10 in every now and then and uh, stay for the long run and, and definitely you won't be disappointed. And, totally. And don't, don't, don't bite, what's that saying go? Don't, don't, uh, don't bite too much that you can chew off or, or something oh, like that. Oh, don't bite off more than you can chew. That's the one. Thank you, JJ. <laughs> <laughs> so don't take yeah. the whole cake, take it piece by piece. Exactly. And, uh, and, and, and be smart with it. Well, JJ, thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. Welcome, man. Um, it's been an amazing story. We'd love to have you back in the future and, sure and hear how, how, how your journey with, with Picala goes and, and perhaps we can get some more uh, Bitcoin people to, to, to maximize and, and get the more Satoshis. You know, it doesn't hurt. Totally. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, you know what I'm thinking <laughs> is we should launch a Bitcoin denominated strategy at Bacala because at the moment they're all in Tether. So that's an interesting idea. Well, I'm, I'm glad some fresh seeds have been planted during the <laughs> recording of this podcast. And yeah, um, what's the best place? Where, where can I lead the people from, from the audience to, to find out, to get in touch with you, JJ or, or Pekala? Sure thing. So Pekala is P-E-C-C-A-L-A.com. Um, and you can hit me up, JJ at Pekala.com. Super straightforward. Perfect. Nice and simple. Well, thanks a lot, JJ. 
And thanks so everybody that's been listening to the podcast. Um, I hope you enjoyed the, 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 the episode. And make sure to check our website, whatisyourbitcoinstory.com to hear the other websites and get some more Bitcoin useful resources. And definitely follow us on Twitter, which is at yourbtcstory. Thanks a lot and see you in the next episode. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of What Is Your Bitcoin Story podcast. Remember to subscribe and share with your friends and family. For more valuable Bitcoin resources, visit our website at whatisyourbitcoinstory.com. Keep stacking sats, stay safe, and spread the Bitcoin revolution.